Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2023, we're running our annual Radiothon, where we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate, and with that done, please enjoy the podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. And yes, you do. You go through that door to the greatest little country in the world, which is Australian film. And uh, today we are going to be uh, showcasing some of the films, oh, well, Today, one of the films that is going to be on at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, which is starting in July, July the 1st, runs to the end of July. Half of it is online and will will continue to be online. But then halfway through the month, there's uh, theatrical screenings at the Nova. And so you go online and you can check to see what the programs are. Now, today, the the film that I'm going to be uh, showcasing is The Combi Man. Of course, this is an Australian-focused film program, so over the next few weeks I'm going to be focusing on some of the Australian documentaries, and quite a lot of them are actually quite local. Uh, this in particular is a quite a local film. It's set in... Um, it follows... It's a film made by Jeff Bird in collaboration with uh, Paul Mutima, who uh, Mutima, who uh, who is actually the subject of the film, uh, and as it says in its synopsis, it is a race against time. A man goes on a fun-filled adventure to find a combi van, revisit his hip his youth, and explore the meaning of life. Uh, it's quite a fascinating film, really, and because it's so intimate and so local. Um, I got to speak with Jeff, the filmmaker, uh, because, of course, Paul has already passed away, and that's one of the key elements of this film. Uh, but before we go on, I'll give you a reminder of what the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is all about. to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, screening the very best documentaries from South by Southwest, Sundance, Tribeca, as well as the best local Melbourne and Australian documentaries. Online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 30th of July. For more information, head to mdff.org.au and cinemanova.com.au. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. 
You're with Annie on Showreel on 3CR, your community radio station. I have to thank all those people who contributed to the program during our Radiothon. Radiothon's still going. I know we're coming to the end of June, but we haven't reached our target. So uh, if you're feeling inclined, you can, of course, go online and donate. That's 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. You can uh, do that before the end of June and uh, get a tax deduction or you could do it because you want to have a warm glow in the heart and uh, maintain independent media on the airwaves. Uh, as I said, we're focusing on the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Over the last few weeks, we've had a couple of uh, interviews with uh, filmmakers. We uh, talked to the uh, guys who made uh, Water for Birds, a fascinating film uh, about a project in India. Uh, we Last week, we... Uh, followed Sykes on Bikes as they made their way up to remote communities uh, delivering uh, uh, mental health advice uh, from from, uh, their roaring uh, motorbikes and uh, that was uh, Howie travelling. And today we're going to uh, talk to Jeff um, Bird about the film Combi Man. Let's have a listen. Thank you very much for talking to me about this film, Combi Man, which as I was watching it, because it's a very moving film, I was thinking it's actually an essay on dying, isn't it? Dying well. I think I think I think a, partly it is. I think well quite a bit of it is. Um Paul probably saw it more as ex- exploring while we had time. So it it it, it, it was also a genuine um wish on his part to explore a lot of the things that he hadn't had time to to really you know explore in the last you know 20 or 20 years or so sort of the things that he that he sort of looked at when he was younger and life just got in the way sort of thing and then he as he faced that and his mortality so that really sort of brought that into focus that I've, I haven't got much time left and I have to these are the kind of things that I that I want to explore right now. So so yes, it is. But but also, I think he he, he wanted to explore that anyway. Even if he, he he didn't get ill, I think he would have done that at some point anyway. It's just that it all got compressed, and it was like, oh, there's no time left. Yeah, absolutely yeah. have to. Do it now. Uh, um, yeah. Why a film though? What, uh, how did you get involved in this? Paul and I were friends way back and then we sort of lost contact and then it's quite a story actually. I tried to get in contact with him but I couldn't find him and it was just really mysterious. He dropped off the face of the earth and I contacted where he used to work and they they hadn't heard of him which was really strange because he'd worked there for, I think he'd worked there for like 10 or 15 years or 20 years and thought, oh, this is odd. And and then I, um, I searched on the internet and I couldn't find much. And then I found a poem he'd written um, that was fairly recent. And I thought, well, he must be still around. And so I went straight to the phone book and looked up and I knew which suburb he lived in. And I found his name in the phone book and I called the number and his wife answered. And and I said who I was and I was looking for Paul. And there was sort of silence on the other end. And then she 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 told me that he was very ill. And, you know, he probably wouldn't be able to talk to me and that. And and then within 10 minutes, he called me back. <laughs> you know, she told him and he called me back and 
Paul and I had always talked about making a film together just, just for the sake of making a film together many years ago. It's one of those things he wanted to do. And um, we sort of just, just really didn't, we just sort of joked about it. And then we, we caught up for a coffee and he started telling me what he wanted to do, that he wanted to um, get a combi and do all these things. And it actually started out with he, he was asking me questions about buying a GoPro to actually do some little filming. And, and then I sort of just looked at him and went, well, this is a really interesting story. And he looked at me and, and we thought, oh, let's make a little video or something about it. And then it just grew and grew. And, yeah, um, well, well, he's a very compelling character. I mean, like this is a documentary, so all these people are real, um, and you're a very competent filmmaker. Uh, so you've got all the linking pieces, and all. I mean, like I was really taken by things like uh, the the linking shots with them inside the combi vans and stuff like that. All this planning that you must have gone into, which was quite separate from their understanding of filmmaking. Is that correct? Um. Yes, of course, yeah. So I, I, I was sort of the one who had to put it all together and was mindful of all of that. And that was a real, a real, really big job. It's it's not until you start to do something like that and you've got like three or four GoPros in a combi plus all the other cameras and you start to realise, wow, this is this is a real operation. And, and, and of course, doing it with no money um, is even harder because you, you have to kind of make it, all work with, you know, I just had secondhand GoPros and things like that and the batteries were failing and, um, you know, so there was really no, not much of a budget there. But but having said that, Paul, while he didn't understand or wasn't involved in the technical side of, of that and putting it together, he was very much involved in the creative side and the story. So he would come around to my house and we'd have a big whiteboard and we would just we would write up all the potential stories on on the whiteboard and 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 he was incredibly savvy paul he 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 could even though he'd never made a film before he could actually understand the whole story process and you know look a lot of those scenes are his scenes you know he said oh let's go and do this and self directed yeah and and i would modify it he would say oh this you know you know, let's go and see this guy in the treehouse up in, in Warburton and I hadn't heard of him. And, and so I would go up there and go, oh, yeah, we can make this work by linking it to this. And, and I was always mindful of the story structure of how it would all link together. That treehouse was just amazing. He, he's amazing, Bob. Um, he's a real character. You'd go up there to film or to see him and people would just knock on the door and as long as they, they brought a bottle of wine, he would let them in and... and and have a chat and show them around and and incredibly good artist and, and, and that really wasn't we didn't really have time to cover that in the film but all of that's his creation and he's, he has butterflies everywhere and um, sculptures and and he's an incredible artist and he's got a great sense of humor as well he's half serious a lot of what he says is he has a, a chuckle about it afterwards <laughs> you know so. Uh, so tell me the uh, film follows a quite uh, clear path, which is, of course, Paul's investigation into meaning or yeah. process of living. But also yeah. there's the characters. Uh, these are very important, the characters. Did he bring the characters in, like his mate uh, who was the man who had the sore back but who had the combi? And were, uh, were they the people who... Yeah. How did that happen? 
So, so Mark and Paul worked together for all those years in the same. So Paul was a sports or a psychologist and Mark, he works with spinal injuries and uh, as a physiotherapist. And so they're very different people, you know, mm-hmm. totally different kinds of people, but they, they had, they shared, shared a dream of, you know, doing what they really wanted to do. And, and that's it you know, go on adventures and explore and, and get a combi and that's what they talked about at lunchtime for, for many years while they were, you know, putting kids through school and, and, and all of that. And then and then it was almost by chance that, well, they both got, like Paul got diagnosed with multiple myeloma and um, Mark had his bad back. And Mark's back issues or upper sort of leg sort of issues, they they were really quite serious and, and um, you know, he, he was in a lot of pain a lot of the time. And so they, they, that's why, and so they both wanted to do that. So when Paul and I talked about it the first time, we actually, um, the second time we caught up, Mark came along to the cafe and, and, and we sort of kicked around the idea and that's when we also talked about the GoPros and, and it sort of grew from there. And um, the, the, anchoring, yeah. the anchoring characters and then, of yeah. course, the fabulous George. Yeah. Well, just on Mark before going to George, but but it wouldn't have been possible without Mark simply because Paul needed his support. You know, Mark Mark was the one that came around and got him in, got him into the car and got him there and and helped look up, look after him. And so it would never have happened without Mark's support. That's partially what this film's about as well, isn't it? This incredible very, level of friendship. It is about that, and um, you know. I think one of the things that happen when people get really ill from, you know, talking to Paul and others is you find out who your friends are, <laughs> you know. Some people disappear, but then other people step up and really go out of their way to do things for you. And Paul had a lot of people like that. That You know, there are just so many people that, um, that loved Paul. You know, he was an incredible guy. I, I know that... Uh, this is not in the film, but but when he when he passed away and and he had his funeral, and it was during COVID, during the you know restrictions, no one could really go except family to his funeral. But just just um, you know impromptu, three blocks of people lined up with balloons apparently um, as as his combi drove past. So people just came out of the woodwork because he helped so many people. You know he was just just incredible like that. 25 years since the emblematic Jabaluka blockade, yet now we see the reckless decision to join the AUKUS military pact. Nuclear-powered submarines bring the very real threat of international nuclear waste dumps and an excuse for a domestic nuclear industry in Australia. Friends of the Earth's nuclear-free art auction will celebrate decades of nuclear resistance while raising vital funds for our national nuclear-free campaign work. Join us on Friday, June the 30th from 5pm till 10pm with a 7.30pm start of the live auction at Catalyst Social Centre, 144 Sydney Road, Coburg. There'll be bands, a bar, kids' banner painting earlier in the night and lots of amazing artwork. For more information, go to melbournevo.org.au forward slash 2023 underscore art underscore auction. Bring your friends, spread the word and come along for a fun evening. Friends of the Earth is a 3CR supporter. I'm David Bradbury, activist filmmaker and proud of it. And any time I'm in Melbourne, I love to do an interview with 3CR 
and uh, bring you folk up to speed with what I'm doing in different parts of the globe or in, in my own, own turf in Australia. It's really important that we have community radio and that you support it and you get out behind 3CR and the events that they promote and to keep you informed against the uh, mainstream media that wants us to keep our eyes shut and to go back to bed. <laughs> You're with Annie on 3CR and uh, uh, we're on Showreel and we're looking at a film called uh, The Combi Man. Uh, we're talking to the filmmaker Jeff Bird. He did it in collaboration with the uh, main protagonist, Paul Mutima, uh, and uh, it's a fascinating film. Uh, it's going to be shown in, theat- in the theatre at Nova on the 23rd of July at 4.30pm as part of Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. It's a lovely, very local, very intimate uh, film that uh, just... Uh, is quite a fascinating piece of filmmaking as well as uh, a very um, uh, life-affirming film, even though it's actually about someone who's dying. So uh, let's move on um, to our second part of uh, having a chat with Jeff. George was fantastic and um, that was the ordeal of trying to get that combi on the road and I think pretty much everyone's worst nightmare in buying a used car. <laughs> you know everything was wrong with it. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The per- the person um, made the outside look okay. Exactly. <laughs> I thought, I thought then, that, what, what a what a cheeky cheeky ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked great on the outside, and um, yeah, not so good on the inside. And it got even worse as they started to pull things out, and there was just rust everywhere. And, and the perfectly pitched price. Because, yeah. I mean, I found it fascinating that the combis' prices have gone up to like $65,000. So the 7000 was so attractive. Yeah, yeah. Well, even more than sixty now. Some, some of them are 100 and um, That's just bizarre. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can remember yeah. being a kid and if because I lived in the country and uh, you'd be driving up to Melbourne or something and you get caught behind either a caravan or a combi van. It was like, oh, my God, we're, <laughs> we're in hell. And when they were going yeah, down that's... the Great Ocean Road in a, in a uh, convoy, I was actually going, oh, my God, hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it was interesting on the Great Ocean Road too. <laughs> You know, whether that combi would get up the hills, there was a bit of a question around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were a few, that, not in the film, there were a few incidents where I think they were driving along Beach Road and not long after the combi was, George had finished it and the, I think the oil cut, oil cover fell out and there was all oil on the road. And Well, um, yeah, that's the thing because there was always, it was notorious, combis always had lots of engine difficulties and the landscape in Australia is so demanding. So anyway, it's an interesting um, uh, side issue that I remember from being when I was young. That's all. Well, that, that, that's the thing. If you're older like we are, you remember how bad cars used to be. Yeah, that's <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> but young, people, young people don't know how, you know, they get into a modern car with power steering and and all the modern cons and that and they think oh this is driving but actually um, i used to have an old beetle yeah well there you um, go and when we were kids we had one yeah break down all the time Mm. Uh, when when we were because i came from a very large family 
uh, and we lived in Warrnambool, we, the, uh, one of the best fun we ever had was we'd all pile into the um, Beetle and we'd even be in that little bit at the back, you know, that they used to yeah, have. Yeah, that little luggage compartment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mum would drive down the hill to the beach and there's this sequence going down to the beach in Warrnambool where you have to go fast to go over the bridge and, and it would literally leap down into the next section of the road and we'd all be sitting there yeah. with huge glee um because it was so exciting <laughs> it mightn't have been going very fast but it yeah, was yeah. it gave you that impression of yeah. uh, of speed and uh um, yeah, yeah. well and fun. The, the same with passing passing trucks and 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 you would feel the car pick up and the wind would just blow the car <laughs> yeah. to the side of the road so you had to hang on yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, and, and I've got to say, you, you know, the funny thing is, after even after making all this film and all this filming, I actually haven't ever driven a combi. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I, I love the shots of uh, Paul's wife. I've forgotten her name. What's her name? Maureen. 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 She got really manful, you know, like she was uh, <laughs> driving a truck. <laughs> she said it was a bus. She felt like she's driving a bus. But then she got really quite... Um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, purposeful as she was driving and it, her whole body language changed over time. Well, it was quite amusing. Well, you know what? It was a real issue. So so um, we sort of covered it sort of briefly in the film, but but literally the day before or two days, day before, Paul got a DVT in, in, in his leg and and they all said, the doctors all said, he can't go. and And it's all been planned and and everything was in place. And then eventually they relented and said, you can go, but you, you have to have your leg up. You can't, you know, sit and drive, as long as you don't drive. So Maureen really hadn't driven the combi. She hadn't really driven it at all and up until that, you know, that point. And it was like, well, and she didn't want to drive it. I don't blame her because that's why I didn't drive it because I didn't want to drive it either, and especially not on the Great Ocean Road. And um, it was really a case of either she drove and did it or they didn't go and and she she really like i was so impressed when she did that i i i thought oh dear, this is a really really big ask to drive all that way she's such a brave and loving person oh she's incredibly strong and and everything that she went through and and all of that just on a daily basis is you know it's hard hard to imagine well, it's an incredibly imp uh, um, impressive film, really. I, I was it, all the as I was saying the um, incredibly uh, competent way you've made this film, but how far-reaching it is, and also how uh, uh, emo gently emotional all the way through, uh, as well as of course Paul's character. Um, what a lovely fellow! He is. He is. It's a really. It's a great loss to so so many people. So many people. Loved Paul, and um, I miss him. <laughs> I miss him terribly. And um, he didn't get to, you know, see the end of the film. He saw a lot of the the assemblies of the scenes, so he would have been able to imagine what it was like. But um, it was a real shame, and you know, COVID hit at the wrong time and and um, delayed everything. And but but yeah, he was a terrific guy, and um, it's it's. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to actually make a film about a good friend dying. I'll have to say. I mean, getting back. To, I mean, I know it's about living, but it's actually it is actually about dying, um, yeah. and that is a really 
big deal, if you ask me. I mean, it, it's quite an amazing film uh, just for that fact, I'll have to say. I think... I think about halfway through, uh, earlier on, there was a real question of whether we'd ever finish it, we'd ever get anything done, because just the cost of doing it um, and then the scale of doing it. But I think, I think I, at, at some point, I kind of said, look, I don't know if this will ever get finished, but Paul likes doing it. So Paul enjoyed the process. It got him out of the house. He, he, he would come around to my house or we'd meet in a local cafe down near the beach or something and we'd chat about it and laugh because Paul was always laughing, like, you know, about something. We, he, he liked a good joke. And um, it kept him, to some extent, kept him going. It gave him a reason to go on and um, that creative process, he, he enjoyed that. So I think because of that, it was just putting one foot down after the other. <laughs> From my point of view, it was like, okay, well, let's just keep going because he likes doing it. Um, and then you get to a point where you have to finish it because, you know, you're so far down the track and and it's really a, it becomes a really important um, thing to do. It was very much because he got so much out of it himself. I forgot to actually bring up the fact that he was a very creative fellow. Uh, the thing about the Simple Man books, that's very nice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's beautiful. He, gets, he was getting, while he was alive, he was getting, you know, contacted from people all over the world, you know, how can we get one of those books or something? And, um, you know, because he, cause he really did emphasise, you know, enjoying the simple things in life. That's kind of what it all come comes down to and he, he goes on this exploration of the meaning of life and he, he meets all these people but then by the end of the film he realises that it's, you know, family and friends and simple things and, and nature and that that he finds the real solace in. So, um, yeah. So you must be happy to have it in the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival? Uh, absolutely thrilled. It, it's just, um, you know, I, I, given its content, um, I, I was, I was, you know, worried we wouldn't get into anything, and um, because it is different. So when it when it was selected, I, I was just amazed. Like that was just absolutely fantastic because it gives, and this is the world premiere as well. So um, it hasn't been screened anywhere um, yet. So this is it, and um, and I really appreciate it that they've selected it. Yeah, really. Paul would have been amazed. He would have been amazed. <laughs> He, he would have been laughing and um, he would have been absolutely amazed and uh, I, would, I can just see him sitting there, you know. Um, chuckling. Yeah, chuckling. So, um, you know, it's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the end of the program. The, the film they're talking about is the uh, Combi Man and it's going to be on as part of the uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. It's going to be on Sunday the 23rd of July, 4.30pm at the Nova. And that's the end of the program. Coming up next is Published or Not and we'll go out with Amazing Grace, the Cat Power um, version.
Enjoy listening to that podcast? 3CR is a community radio station, and you, the listener, are a part of that community. Right now, it's our radiothon. We need you to pitch in with a few dollars to keep the station going. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donations really matter. <laughs> 